Hi, I'm Bill Wiley. I'm Stephen Dell. And I'm Rob Weinstock. And we're the co-chief medical editors of Cataract and Refractive Surgery Today. Welcome back to CRST The Podcast. I'm Laura Straub, Editor-in-Chief of CRST. And in this episode, we'll take a close look at lenticular extraction and addition, an emerging field in refractive surgery. As we'll hear later in this episode, it was Jose Ignacio Barracure who introduced the idea of using natural corneal tissue to alter the refractive properties of the eye. Since that time, in 1949, several procedures that either remove or add corneal tissue to the patient's cornea to achieve a refractive change have been proposed. Perhaps the most widely used procedure in this category today is SMILE, a laser vision correction technique that creates a refractive lenticule and a small incision of 60 or 90 degrees inside the intact cornea. More than 3.5 million SMILE procedures have been performed with the Visumax femtosecond laser. Similar lenticule extraction procedures, including corneal lenticule extraction for advanced refractive correction, also known as CLEAR, performed with the Femto LDV-Z8, and SmartSight, performed with the Atos femtosecond laser, are commercially available outside the United States. Other lenticule-based procedures are in various phases of research and development. The use of allografts is also a hot topic in this new frontier in refractive surgery. Thus far, corneal and biosynthetic inlays have been implanted to treat presbyopia and hyperopia, and allograft corneal rings have been used to treat keratoconus. Let's listen as Aylin Kilich, Associate Professor at Medipal University Hospital in Istanbul, kicks off this podcast with her thoughts on the potential of modified epikeratophagia. Lenticular surgery is gaining momentum and rightfully so. More than 3.5 million smile procedures have been performed worldwide and other lenticular extraction procedures are being introduced and studied outside the United States. It is likely only a matter of time before these procedures are available worldwide. On top of the advances being made in lenticular extraction surgery, allogenic lenticles are now used in certain regions of the world to treat some of the hardest refractive errors to correct emectropic presbyopia and hyperopia and allogenic ring segments are being studied for the treatment of keratoconus. The future of all these applications looks bright. The articles in this series highlight the recent advances in lenticular extraction and addition and postulate the impact of these procedures as catalyst of growth of refractive surgery. In my guest editorial, I focus the potential modified epikeratophagia. In 1949, Jose Ignacio Baracuar laid the groundwork for use of natural corneal tissue to change the refractive properties of the eye. During epikeratophagia, corneal tissue is latted on attempted specific diopteric power and sutured on top of the recipient's cornea. In its earliest iterations, this technique was used for aphakia or hyperopia. Early attempts with this approach, however, 
had unpredictable results due to problems with cryolating the preserved corneal tissue. Difficulty preparing the lenticles, structural damage to the tissue during the required freezing and letting process, and the required thickness of the corneal lenticles, which increased the risk of epithelial ingrowth and poor reepithelization. More recently, hypoallergic synthetic corneal implants have been used for refractive purposes. These synthetic implants are made of compatible biomaterials, but their biocompatibility is not equivalent to that of allergenic implants currently in use and being studied for certain conditions. The availability of precise laser shaping systems and sterile corneas are key factors that make the use of allergenic implants possible today. The goal of this lenticular surgery procedure is to enhance the visual performance with material that is 100% biocompatible and precisely shaped for individuals' personal needs. In addition to complete biocompatibility, the use of allergenic implants in advantages because there is no tissue removed from the eye and because of the effects of surgery can be reversed by removing the implant. This is an important consideration for patients and surgeons. Compared to initial attempts at epikeratophagia, the use of state-of-the-art excimer lasers to shape allergenic implants in modern epikeratophagia-type procedures mitigates the problems related to power and induction of astigmatism. Current shaping techniques also allow the creation of allografts that are significantly thinner than what was used by Rekuar's early attempts with epikeratophagia procedures. Further, research and development of techni- technologies used to shape allografts influence the potential for allografts to be used in a variety of refractive treatments, including hyperopia, presbyopia, and keratoconus. Lastly, Allograft lenticles are acellular and therefore sterile tissue donor immunogenicity will be reduced. I believe that what we are performing today is modern modified epikeratophagia surgery. Using the tools and te- techniques developed over the past several years, corneal tissue can now be packaged and stored at ambient conditions for at least two years, helping to expand indications and areas of reach. Before he did, my mentor Joseph Collin always told me the cornea cannot accept a foreign body. I believe that he was right and today we have enough experience to understand the interaction between biosynthetic corneal materials and cornea. Corneal lenticular surgery may not be an alternative to all types of corneal laser surgery, but it may represent a unique, safe, reversible, adjustable, exchangeable, and non-invasive solution for the treatment of emetropic presbyopia, keratoconus, hyperopia, postlasic emetropic presbyopia, and eyes with thin corneas. And now let's hear from Arthur B. Cummings, the medical director of Wellington Eye Clinic in Dublin, Ireland, 
who shares his results with a corneal allograft inlay for the treatment of presbyopia. The synthetic corneal inlay has a checkered past. Initially, interest in this technology was significant and refractive outcomes and patient satisfaction were good. But biocompatibility issues later led to the termination of synthetic inlays. Is it fair, however, to judge all corneal inlays on their history of one product? What about allograft and biosynthetic inlays? Do they not have more potential to succeed than their synthetic counterparts? Recent research suggests that they do. In a multicenter European clinical trial of the TRANSFORM corneal allograft, patients achieved excellent refractive results and arguably even more promising with the clinical results. In the 45 eyes of 45 patients from our center included in the study, there was not a single case of rejection or reaction. The TRANSFORM corneal allograft has a diameter of 2.65 millimeters and a thickness of approximately 22 microns. It adds 2.5 diopters of near power in the central pupillary optic at the spectacle plane. Each inlay is prepared into about 100 blanks from sterile human donor corneas by means of special mechanical techniques. These blanks are measured with ultra-high resolution OCT and shaped into lenses using a specialized eczema laser. The refractive lenticles are then stored in recombinant human serum albumin and sterilized with electron beam irradiation. Accelerated electrons kill bacteria and fungi, making an electron beam ideally suited for sterilization and bio-burden reduction. Clinical trial, refractive results. In the European clinical trial of the TRANSFORM inlay for the treatment of presbyopia, uncorrected distance visual acuity in the implanted eye was typically 1 to 2 lines less than 1.0. In other words, it was generally 0.8 or 0.7. Binocularly, patients experienced no reduction in uncorrected distance visual acuity or stereopsis. Near vision improved from an average of N15 to between N5 and N6. N8 is typically required to read newspaper print. Based on these results, we concluded that the transform inlay may provide near vision with fewer trade-offs than would be required to achieve similar reading vision with either a monovision or blended vision approach. In my experience with the latter two approaches, N5 or N6 reading vision would require a correction of at least minus 150 or minus 1.75, which would also result in uncorrected distance visual acuity in the reading eye of usually 6 over 30 or worse. There is a concomitant reduction in stereopsis at this level of correction too. Safety. Patients administered topical steroids for four weeks only, yet no corneal haze was observed. Most of the inlays were invisible 
under the 110 micron corneal LASIK flap. With synthetic inlays, steroids are typically tapered over the course of three months, yet corneas are not as quiet as in eyes that receive the allograft inlays at three months. Two inlays were removed from two patients. In both cases, although uncorrected distance visual acuity was 1.0 and near visual acuity was N6+, the patients could not adjust to the difference in visual acuity between their two eyes. Removing these inlays gave me confidence that this corneal allograft is truly biocompatible. I observed no signs of the implant's removal from the moment after it was extracted from the cornea. In contrast, anyone who has removed a synthetic inlay knows that it leaves a footprint behind that may last for six months or longer and, in some cases, never clear completely. In the eyes of the two patients who had the allograft removed, visual performance returned to the preoperative levels within days. The surgeon or scrub nurse removes the allograft from the packaging, which contains a transport plate that looks just like a microscope slide. The lenticule is scraped off the plate and placed into balanced saline solution to wash the albumin from the inlay. We typically left the inlay in the dish of solution for at least 15 minutes. Once the 110 micron flap has been made and the inlay is ready for placing, it is fished from the dish of balanced saline solution with an instrument shaped like a loop that has a 4 to 5 millimeter diameter. The inlay is suspended in the layer of solution that forms from surface tension within the loop. The inlay is placed on the stromal surface over the light constricted pupil. A wax cell sponge is placed at the external surface of the loop. The sponge removes balanced saline solution from within the loop, which allows the inlay to settle on the corneal surface. While the corneal inlay is wet or moist, it can be manipulated with surgical instruments to flatten its edges and refine its position relative to the pupil. Once the inlay dries, it settles well and becomes nearly impossible to move. At this point, the flap is replaced over the stromal bed. An OCT scan is performed 15 minutes later to confirm the position of the inlay. The implant is mostly invisible at the slit lamp at this stage, so OCT is required to confirm its position. Surgeons familiar with LASIK and handling corneal flaps will find the transform procedure easy to learn. Conclusion My patients in the clinical trial and I were both extremely pleased with the results of this procedure. Based on my experience, I anticipate a new era in the corneal management of presbyopia. That's it for this episode. Tune in next time when we will discuss essential business solutions and surgical strategies in modern practices.